On this episode of Sex and Healing. How much of our self-care practices are actually bringing us back into regulation? Because sometimes when it becomes that to-do list, I must do this because it's the right thing to do, you know, and there's still that energy behind it. is a reflection of being in the masculine too much it's kind of like a cycle it like feeds more masculine energy and and we can't get out of it too maybe the answer is that when we are not in our home state or our home energy where we feel most aligned then there is some anxiety that comes up because anxiety has a message in it always to tell us something's out of alignment. My mind was like, oh, if you've got morning breath, just flick you around and fuck you from behind anyway. <laughs> you know, like, honestly, it doesn't have to be a thing that breaks the moment. It's like... If we actually take the time to get ourselves into a grounded enough state that we can feel properly, that we can actually slow down, um, the experience can be, you know, much more, I suppose, beneficial for you. Welcome back to the Sex and Healing Podcast. I'm your host, Erin Kiner, and thank you so much for joining me as we take a wild ride together through the realms of sex and healing. Today, we have a very exciting guest, a very special friend of mine who I have been lucky enough to be featured on her podcast numerous times now. It's so exciting to introduce you, amazing, amazing audience of mine, to Georgie the Naturopath. Welcome, Georgie. Hi, Erin. I'm so (laughs) excited to be here. I know all the podcasts we've done have just been amazing, except now I'm in the driver's seat. So let's see if I host as well as you host, but either way, I'm sure we're going to have some good shit coming out of us today. (laughs) I have no concerns about that. (laughs) (laughs) So Georgie, do you want to fill everyone in with a little background? If they don't already know you, tell them what it is that you do and what it is that you specialize in. Yeah. So I am an anxiety mindset coach and naturopath and nutritionist. So naturopathy sort of covers herbal medicine and nutrition for those who aren't aware. It's just about having that holistic focus on these things, because of course, what I discovered was firstly, I've always been fascinated by the idea that we don't always have to do the work on our mind because that's really hard. We can also just like eat foods that nourish our body. We can place our physical system in the right environment that automatically allows us to regulate our body to stress, to anxiety, to be more resilient to all these triggers around us just because we are looking after our system and taking care of it. So making sure our brain has the nutrients it requires to think clearly, making sure that we have enough magnesium so our muscles can relax getting enough sleep, those kind of things. Hormones imbalance is another huge one and our gut health as well. Those are the factors that absolutely fascinate me. But what I discovered was that that wasn't enough. Like we can't just eat the perfect diet and, Mm -hmm. you know, do all the yoga. We also have to look at what are some of these deeper stories we're telling ourselves. So the mindset and thought, thought work is important too. And of course, emotional embodiment. But What's so fascinating to me is how we can combine the two and make the other work, the inner work, the deep healing work so much easier when we're actually looking after ourselves on that physical level. So that's how I work with anxiety. It's this holistic sort of approach, looking at all the systems. That is amazing. And, you know, like what you've said makes perfect sense. And like I've known that on some level, but I haven't seen it the way that you just pointed out now. I often see it from the other side with friends or clients that I'm supporting. And when they're really out of balance or when heaps is going on in their external world and their mindset is in a bad place, you know, like I'm really feeling like I'm going to fail at this or I'm alone or whatever those kind of catastrophic thoughts are. And I often say to them, babe, these aren't your thoughts. This is a result of you being out of balance. Like if you were to get back into balance or if you were to get out of this situation, then the thoughts naturally dissipate. So sometimes you're right. Doing the work on those thoughts is actually not going to solve the problem. The thoughts can naturally improve 
by changing the external environment. Because my ethos is always, it's all about the mind. Heal the mind and you'll heal everything. Change the mind, you'll change your sexuality. You know, change your mind, you'll change your spirituality. But you're so right, it's not always the mind. And doing it from the mind isn't always the most successful approach or the standalone approach. And it is that, like, complete view of everything. Yeah, and, like, don't get me wrong. I love the mind. Like, I love (laughs) We love processing. We love processing. (laughs) Like I don't, it, I could be sitting in a prison cell right now and I have the power based on yes. what I choose to think about that situation to feel calm well, about it. You are, you're in <laughs> Melbourne. You've basically <laughs> been in a prison cell for 250 days, but you're exactly right. You're right. You, lockdown's yeah. a perfect example. Like looking at that as prison or looking at it as, oh, like time at home and time to like live a little bit differently. Um, Mm -hmm. I can see it as extremely limited or I can try and find the expansion within it and our mind has the power Mm -hmm. to do it. However, we've all had those days too where it's just like, girl, you just need to go go to bed. Just go get an early night. Stop trying to work out whether this comes from your inner child and the thing that you, you know, your relationship with your dad and this wound or that wound. Just like get a good sleep and you'll probably feel a whole lot better tomorrow. Yes, yes. So this is our permission slip to you, beloveds. Go to sleep. (laughs) When it gets too much, give yourself permission to go to sleep. Give yourself permission to stay in bed all fucking day. I just had five days in bed, actually. There's been two windows in the last two years where I felt like that, completely debilitated and not able to get out of bed. And it's not anything on the physical plane. It's nothing that you can, like, directly pinpoint. It's actually, well, as I perceive it, it's me doing shitloads of work on the deep inner planes, on the spiritual and the emotional planes, and the body's just like... We're just chilling out for a while to let all this fucking deep work happen. But, you know, for most people in the modern world, they don't have that kind of permission given to them. They don't even have that awareness that often the body is showing what is happening mentally, emotionally, spiritually. You know, like I think back to my upbringing and if I tried to say this stuff to people, people would have thought I was crazy. You know, yeah. they would have thought that I was crazy and they would have been looking at what other, why is she in bed? Let's go get some blood tests done. Let's go and, you know, analyze things strictly on the body level. But actually when you're doing this kind of work, it's very fucking real to just <laughs> be wiped out and sleep. Sleep is my number one strategy, I'd say. I honestly think Aaron, our ultimate liberation is to just have days where we can choose what to do, whatever the hell we feel like doing. Like mm-hmm. to be able to choose how you spend your day is such a powerful thing. And yet yeah. so many it's human beings on this planet, it is a luxury. Like so many human beings on this planet can't even fathom what that would be like. Yes. I remember once, like I used to be a hustler. I know what it's like to completely stress myself out, to overwork, to overachieve, to, you know, to just be so exhausted by trying to do everything and never having a break. That's very, very different from my life now, but it's taken me fucking years to decondition myself and to trust that, to trust that I can do less and as a result have more. But I do remember this one period of time where I was like, I'm going to lay on the couch and read a book. And that felt like the most fucking extravagant thing ever to just have the freedom to lay on the couch and read the book. And as I was laying on the couch and reading the book, I thought there are millions of human beings on this planet at this time that will never in their lifetime know this luxury, that may not have a couch, that may not be able to read, that may not have the time freedom to be able to make such a choice. So I think, you know, this is tapping into way, 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 way bigger stories, information, like if we just bring it back to now, those of us that have built these lives where these choices are available to us, we should be in such deep gratitude of that like it's such a privilege and we can actually take that privilege and do many 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 wonderful things on the planet for many many people as a result of that but like to rest yeah it has been a luxury that's not granted to everyone yeah absolutely I mean one of my ways that I feel so luxurious and they're like almost they are privileges but you don't you know in our world we don't always appreciate them as that (laughs) it's like taking a bath in the middle of the day yes you run me a bath in the middle of the day. <laughs> I also think it's one of the coolest things to do is to yes. just like the sun is out, but I'm going to be immersed in a body of water back in the safe womb. Like it's it's yes. so grounding and calming. It just brings you into that feminine. Yes, and it is absolutely necessary. That's the other thing. Like, yes, we live in a world where we have to hustle or that we've been glorified for hustling and working and achieving 
which is an incredibly masculine state to be in, but actually for feminine identifying people to actually be in that feminine state of receptivity, of doing less, of listening and receiving rather than doing, of just being in that pure abstraction of nothingness. It's so absolutely vital for our well-being, And from that place, so much can come. So many ideas, so much inspiration, so many answers, so many, like all the mysteries of the universe come to us through the feminine. You know, yeah. the feminine is the mystery. But for your work in particular, how do you see anxiety and the feminine? What's the relationship between anxiety and the feminine? Well, anxiety doesn't feel safe enough to be in the feminine. So mm. it, anxiety, when we are someone who is more prone to anxiety or high stress, we want to be in that masculine energy more of the time because it feels somewhat safer. So it's about we do, we take action, we're overdoing and we are overachieving often and at the same time no reward for it, beating ourselves up. We're giving, 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 looking out for everyone else and rest does not feel allowed, you know, and Mm -hmm. it doesn't feel comfortable. So the person who is more prone to anxiety does not feel comfortable being in the feminine because it's scary. We are not safe enough there. So we need to create a sense of safety. We have to kind of convince our mind and convince that anxiety that this is okay. It's okay Mm -hmm. to receive. It's okay to rest. Sometimes I like to address that with a sort of um, almost tricking us into it. So you can almost schedule in that time for rest. And you're like, all right, anxiety, I'm going to do rest really well. I'm going to achieve at rest. (laughs) That's right. Like literally for so many women, this is so helpful, like creating a checklist of what you're going to do on your Sunday as as restful activity. So Mm. I'm going to spend one hour in the bath. I'm going to spend one hour walking. Um, And if you tick those things off, it feels safe because there's still a level of planning in the resting, in the flowing. And then hopefully in that we can sort of expand into more just, you know, having a whole day empty and being okay with just doing what you feel like doing. That's really that feminine, not having a plan. But I think a lot of us need a bit of a, an ease into yeah, it. Yeah, a balance. Yeah. A balance between the masculine and feminine for sure and certainly that transition from being in a very masculine patriarchal world. Not Like this is why masculine identifying people get terrified of us women because it's so much, you know, the void. It's like this <gasps> bottomless pit and if you're standing on the edge of a cliff and there's nothing there but a void, that is terrifying. But if you yeah. can just take one step into the void and then the next step appears and it actually does make it it's human nature I think to be more comfortable to that's progress right. like that that's right so having that structure there the masculine structure there allows the feminine to feel safe right and so then mm. we feel safe to unfurl on a Sunday for example I'm just using that as more of the conventional um, look mm. I challenge anyone to do something feminine and unwinding for three hours on a Wednesday if you want you know like <laughs> A bath in the middle of the day on a Wednesday. In the middle of the day, if that's what you feel like. But, of course, that doesn't feel safe. That doesn't feel okay mm-hmm. for so many of us. And so um, it's really, firstly, like convincing yourself that this is safe and this is okay and I'm intentional about this time so that you actually do it. Otherwise, mm-hmm. we we kind of just keep going and you might sort of have your weekend off but next thing you find yourself just checking in work emails a little bit or just, oh, I'll just get that bit done or, you know, you might be reading but you're reading books that, I mean, this is this is a trap I fall into. Mm-hmm. I'll, be re- I'll be like, I'll just read a book but I'm reading books that are like work books, like things yes. that add to my work and I'm like, oh, yes. hang on, <laughs> this doesn't really count, does it? <laughs> yes. You know, I was talking to one of my clients this week and we were talking about you know, what kind of self-care brings us back into that regulated nervous system state. So rather than being in that hyper aroused state of overwhelm or even being in that hypo, you know, the numbness and the switched off, but actually to come into that state of regulation, how much of our self-care practices are actually bringing us back into regulation? Because sometimes when it becomes that to-do list, I must do this because it's the right thing to do, you know, and there's still that energy behind it of, um, 
like I'm going to do this because I'm going to feel bad about myself if I'm not doing it or I'm judging myself or, you know, it, it all comes from the mind and it's not actually serving the nervous system. It's not actually soothing the nervous system because it's just like, I've got to get this done. So there is like such a art really to learning to manage ourselves in that way and to actually really milk all of the goodness out of it. Cause we could get in the bath at midday on Wednesday and be stressed as a mofo or even more stressed as a result of that bath. And we could get in the bath at midday on Wednesday and be incredibly soothed and calmed and brought to peace by the bath. So it's really not so much about the actions at all, but so much about our relationship to those actions, why we're doing it, where we're coming from. So when you talk about that, the thing that comes into mind for me is that sort of that Friday night feeling where you've kind of finished your work week. I don't know what your boundaries are like with work, but I, I just go with the conventional, like I'll give my, even though I work for myself, we can choose, you and I, we can choose our hours. Mm -hmm. We don't have to work. We can work whenever we want, but I found I like taking my weekends off and like Saturday and Sunday and going with that because it feels nice to also have time off when my friends do and when, when yes. other people do. So that's something that I've just made. My weekends are sacred. Saturday, Sunday, I'm not doing any work. I might post something on Instagram, but that's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then this is that Friday night energy, though, is that transition time of I've been going from working and getting things done to, okay, now I've got permission to slow down. And I think a lot of us are challenged with that transition time. So some things that can be really helpful, especially when there's anxiety there, anxiety at looking, how do I, how, hold on, I've just been in this momentum all week. How do I like put the brakes on? There's some really simple things. Like one that I love is just lying down with it, like with your body in an L shape, your legs up the wall. This is a pose mm. a lot of us will have tried in yoga before, but it's available to us outside of yoga too. And the reason it works so effectively is because we hold that position for 10, 15 minutes and the blood flow, just using gravity, blood flow moves into your abdomen, pooling around your digestive system and sends your nervous system from that fight or flight mode into rest and digest mode. And I love this one, Erin, because it doesn't matter how much, how busy your mind is mm-hmm. or how much your, what, what the issue is going on. You don't have to sit down and necessarily meditate. You can literally just move your body into that position mm. and your body will do its thing and it will calm itself down. So for those of us, cause there's all, I, I don't know about you, but when I'm anxious or wound up or stressed, the idea of sitting still and meditating just feels mm. impossible sometimes. And that can be amazing to do. I mean, of course, I encourage meditation, but when we're really highly strung, sometimes it's nice to have an, a bridging sort of practice first. Something's just going to ground mm-hmm. you first. And so I love mm-hmm. that legs up the wall. It's such a simple one. You can even do it with Netflix on, like on yes. the couch, right? So it weaves into our lives so well. Mm, that's so good. I was just thinking about when I was with my lover last week and I love being the big spoon. <laughs> So even though he's a dude and he's bigger than me, I'm like, I've got to be the big spoon. Get in your little spoon position, please. It feels good to cuddle something, doesn't it? (laughs) I don't, I can do little spoon for like five minutes. It is nice, but I just feel more like I'm the big spoon in life. (laughs) That could be my motto. So anyway, I wrapped him up and we're just dozing off to sleep. And he's like, baby, stop that. I can feel you. And I was like, Okay. (laughs) Like he was just aware of like how much was going through my mind. He's like, just be here right here, right now. Just let it all be heavy. And I was like, thank you. (laughs) Cause I was going to miss out on this fabulous opportunity for, you know, co-regulation and the, the relief that comes with that, because I was just so stuck up in my head. And so to just give myself permission and say, be in this experience right now. And the nervous system comes right down. Yeah, But you know what else you said there that really kind of grabbed my attention is like, well, actually the last time I came on your podcast, we talked about boundaries. That's an ever evolving <laughs> lesson in all of our lives. So this week I feel like I have done some fucking superhuman level boundary setting and it's Tell amazing. It. <laughs> I'm going to protect the privacy of the people that are involved, but I had to basically, I've ended some friendships. I've ended some other arrangements just in situations where I felt like I was being drained. You know, my energy wasn't being nourished by these situations anymore. Um, I was feeling taken advantage of. 
of my giving Nate, like I'm so naturally generous. I don't want to change that. And I certainly don't want to change that in my intimate environment. I want to be completely free to be myself. So that means that the people that are around me have to be people that recognize that and value that and invest in me in return. If I'm naturally generous and someone else is naturally selfish then that becomes out of balance very quickly because the flow of energy goes that way. They don't even think about it. They don't appreciate it for what it is. It's just them just carrying on being themselves. Whereas for me, again, I'm just being me, but it's ending up draining me significantly. And so there's some circumstances where I can look and say, okay, I can get better at my generosity or I can be more mindful about where I apply it. And is this the appropriate use of my energy? Um, And that's important for my boundaries too. But in my most intimate inner circle, I just want to be myself. I want to be free to be myself. So it just feels like in work, I set two new big boundaries. In friendships, I set two new big boundaries, uh, one new big boundary in my, actually no two. And then here in my home environment, another one in my family. It's just like, I'm just in the biggest fucking letting go period. Like this is massive transformation for me. And I know that that's why I was in the bed for five days. It was just like so much energetic up-leveling. But what I realized this morning when I woke up is that I had money worry and I've not had money worries for a long time. And, you know, just as you're arousing in the morning, and I know you and I have talked about this as that being a very significant sign of anxiety of those first thoughts that go through your mind when you're waking up. But I got my journal out and I sat there and started looking at what are my thoughts and what are the thoughts that I want to choose that's going to bring me the feeling. And I just said to myself, Erin, so much is rearranging in your life right now. Your brain is interpreting that as uncertainty and it's then interpreting that as unsafe. And then the unsafety that you know of in this lifetime is if you didn't have enough money to pay your rent. Like it's, it's just my brain kind of beep, 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 something's going on here, something's different, and my default is to get worried, what can I worry about? And actually none of it's really real. And I was able to, through my journaling practice, kind of bring myself back into balance, bring myself back into trust of this massive process to say, Erin, if you're letting go of things that are draining you, that can only put you in a better situation in business, in life, in friendships. Like there's no way that by setting these boundaries are you going to have negative consequences in life. This is not going to drive you into the ground of, you know, hopelessness because you've set boundaries. This can only lead you somewhere better, but I'm just in that middle. The void. Messy. Yeah. I'm in the void, Georgie. I'm so fucking in the void. I hate the void. I know. So (laughs) we have to learn to love the void because it's where the magic, that's what I wrote in my journal. One of the points this morning, because I go through and I find all the evidence that I can find to back up the belief that I want to choose. How can yeah. I know I can trust this? And I'm like, fuck, we've been here so many times, Erin. <laughs> you know you've always been okay. You know that you're always supported. But one of the points was it's only in the unknown that we can create something we haven't experienced before. You know, that's a real Dr. Joe Dispenza teaching is like, if we only do what we've only done, we can only experience what we've experienced before. So I'm like, okay, I'm in the void. That means ultimate creativity. That means ultimate potentials. It means miracles. When you can't see the way, hello, kitten. The kitten's been joining for podcasts. I wish you could see it. But can't, you so can't cute. leave the little kitten up? No, but I'm sending the vibes. I'm, I'm sending the kitten vibes through the podcast microphone for everyone to feel the little kitten curling up in the palm of my hand. Oh my <laughs> so cute. So this is the thing, Erin, when I'm helping people to sort of cope with that unknown and the uncertainty, I, I mean, look, the human part of me is like, I hate the void, but like, that's just, I just have to express that part. Right. Like I have to, there's a part of me that's like, this sucks. Like it's frustrated, but there's obviously this other part that can see that highest perspective. And this is what I like to guide people to as well. It's like, why do we see it as an endless black hole? Why don't we see it as a blank canvas Mm. on which infinite potential exists? Like we can paint something new like I've always found that I like to paint sometimes I've always found just seeing that blank canvas such an exciting feeling Mm. what am I going to create with this yes and I guess that's also in reflection of our conversation such a deeply feminine state to be in the complete not knowing and how many of us are comfortable to be there how many of us have a healthy relationship with being really in the feminine And yet if we bring ourselves into the feminine, we are automatically out of anxiety. So this Mm. is the other key component, which I think is so, so 
amazing is that we can move ourselves out of that if we can allow ourselves permission to move from that masculine energy all the time and allow that balance of moving into the feminine we balance out anxiety too anxiety is a reflection of being in the masculine too much it's kind of like a cycle it like feeds more masculine energy and Mm -hmm. and we can't get out of it too um Mm. but to be in that feminine state is the the counter it's the way to get its calmness I mean it's chaos too like don't get me wrong Mm. it comes with like our rage and our wild emotions but we also hold those in when we when we have anxiety anxiety is almost I see it like a um almost like the damn wall holding in all our deep emotions. And so when they're just, when our body's just trying to hold them in, it's almost like that jittery damn wall is shuddering under the weight of all these emotions trying to get out. And if we just have a big scream, have a big cry, that anxiety damn wall doesn't have to be there and it releases and we're so calm on the other side. Yes. And I do love emotional expression, but we definitely live in a world that's not comfortable with it. where it's been shut down for all of us. But just as you're saying that, it's making me think, and maybe through your work experience you might know, do you think that anxiety manifests different or the relationship for women with their anxiety is different for the relationship with men and their anxiety? Oh, such a good question. So I work predominantly with women. So Mm -hmm. when I am like in my deep contemplation about this or, you know, studying and and researching on this, I'm always looking at it through the context of women. I would love Mm. to do more work with men at some stage. I'm sure I'll get like almost not bored of it, but, you know, just for the continued growth and and, um, the experience of that. So looking at anxiety for men, I mean, there's a difference, right, in what men get out of that masculine energy. They feel mm. a purpose like that. Well, sorry, and I'm, when I say men, I mean masculine predominant, like people who are safe in that or feel more comfortable mm. in that masculine energy more of the time. Mm. That is that is a state where, you know, purpose, drive, award, award challenge, it's, it's that winning the game feeling that mm. I think can alleviate a lot of anxiety for a, a man potentially mm. in the sense of knowing where I'm going in life, getting that, like like achieving a goal or, or moving towards a goal, winning the game can feel very purposeful. And when there's not that clear goal and plan and, and quest, there's a mm. sense of I'm lost. And so that can bring up anxiety, which is interesting. So mm. I think perhaps maybe the answer here, Erin, without having thought about this at length, my initial thoughts are that perhaps it is simply when, you know, I am at my core a feminine being and I feel most like in tune with my life when I am in that energy. And, of course, I have to be in my masculine sometimes and I have that side of me too, but, but this is my home. And so for those masculine beings, I think that home can home state can be, you know, working towards a goal, um, achievement, being in the stillness, being in their sort of like that masculine holding space. And mm. maybe the answer is that when we are not in our home state or our home energy where we feel most aligned, then there is some anxiety that comes up because anxiety has a message in it always to tell us something's out of alignment, something's Mm -hmm. out of balance. That can be, that can be your health. So it could be hormones out of balance. It could be nutrition. It could be just the fact that, Hey, come on, you need to start feeding yourself properly and eat three good meals a day rather than a bit there and forget to eat until the evening kind of thing. Um, there can be that element to it or it could be deeper. It can be spiritual. It can be um, you're in the wrong career. Like you've got mm. a message to spread and we've got mm-hmm. to deliver that another way. Or There is a way for you to be in this world and make money and feel safe but also feel free. And we want to send you to go discover that. Like that could be the message in anxiety um, for mm. someone. And so We're just going to take a quick break in the episode here to share some love for our amazing sponsor, Maeve. Pleasure is good for you. Unleash and expand your self-pleasure or explore fresh partner intimacy with Maeve. Maeve is your elegant guided pleasure app with a continuously growing audio library of erotic stories, 
guided sessions and soundscapes created by top-notch creative writers, sex and relationship therapists, poets and orgasmic life experts and brought to life by the most sultry voices and soundscapes. Give yourself or a lucky one the gift of pleasure and use the code ERIN20 to get 20% off your subscription. Details can be found in the show notes or head to withmave.com. Now let's jump back into the episode. And so how much do you think that modern day life in and of itself is the cause of anxiety? Because when I, I think what you've just said there about the masculine and feminine, I really relate to, and then being out of alignment with your job or your relationship, you know, being out of alignment in your physical health, all of that makes sense to me. But what I see in myself is that the life that I live in Bali, where I'm immersed in nature and it's a slower pace of life, I'm not being bombarded by marketing and messaging and rushing and, you know, like, I go back to Melbourne and I'm rushing from the second I get there without even realizing I just dropped back into the old template of Erin. I get swept up in the city lifestyle and all of a sudden I'm just so out of balance just because city life is so much. In my mind, it's so far away from our natural roots of how our bodies and our psyches are designed to operate, but it's the modern day world. What can we do? We've got billions of people living in cities how much do you think that that lifestyle is contributing to anxiety? I love this question because there's always articles that come out in the newspaper like more anxiety than ever before, like today. <laughs> yeah. And I agree. Like I do see that element. Of course, where, where our brains are so busy, how often do we sit in quiet contemplation without picking up mm-hmm. your phone? Mm-hmm. You know, if you're on a commute to work in the old days when we did that um, before <laughs> this lockdown, but, you know, or, or you're sort of um, waiting in line for something, we, we don't we don't just stare into space we pick up our phones we can't bear those few moments or 10 minutes of nothing to do nothing to think about nothing to put my attention on constant bombardment yes our minds are very busy yes there's a lot of energy around us however as I look back in time I think you know what being a caveman or woman would have been pretty damn scary too sometimes Mm. Like you did not know where your food was coming from. You didn't know uh, what the weather systems were going to do, whether the tiger was going to come out and grab your kid tonight when you're sleeping. Lots Mm. of insecurities in that sense. And so the threat of our survival, you know, has actually gotten so much better. We are literally safe, but now we have almost all of this internal as we didn't have as we no longer have to worry about being alive we're much more worried about ourselves we're much more worried about am I good enough and trying Mm. to be perfect trying to be um successful trying to be safe at the end of the day just in a different way trying to belong trying to fit into this world and that's becoming ever more confusing as to how to even do that right you don't quite Mm. feel safe uh, like the, I'm sure Erin you have your days in Bali like it's kind of being like oh my god I'm living this like totally off the grid kind of life mm-hmm. that's different to people and something in that might feel unsafe on a deep oh, level because yeah. it's living like, in a corrupt country <laughs> like <laughs> I've got lots of freedom but I don't have a government that I can trust or rely upon to protect yeah. me mm-hmm. and then there might be say a sense of like do people at home relate to me and that might not feel as safe um mm-hmm. so It is such an interesting thing, but I really think that anxiety has always been there. And I also think to flip it on its head a little bit, we've never been more able to, more emotionally intelligent and more conscious, able to Mm. understand, oh, that trigger comes from the way my relationship is with mom or my relationship with dad when I was growing up and he was inconsistent. So I think that, yes, we have more mental stuff going on, and, and yet our physical survival is much, much better. Um, we are much better equipped to deal with some of those things than, than we used to be. Or I think, honestly, probably would have been worse maybe 50 years ago um, when we life was getting busier. But and even though our survival means, means we met, not so much emotional intelligence going on, not, not so much talk about um you know, not as not as widespread this, these ideas. Like now, we can go on Instagram and get a whole lot of therapy and learn about ba- what boundaries are and what attachment theory is. Mm. So that information is so much more accessible that really helps people. So 
I feel like the answer is a little more complex than just anxiety is way worse than it used to be. I mm-hmm. think it's it's uh, in some ways we are better equipped to deal with it than we used to be. And we certainly have the opportunity to do that more than we used yeah. to. Because as I hear you say that, then I just simply apply those answers to sexual anxiety, performance anxiety, and how much anxiety people might have in their sexuality. Would you say that safety is a, a bit of a blanket cure or even a lack of safety is often the root cause of people's anxiety? Oh, for sure. I mean, there's safety, but then there's also the inner critic is huge. So what Mm. are we talking, what sort of mean words are we saying to ourselves? Which, yeah, comes back to, I mean, at the end of the day, anxiety is trying to keep us alive, trying to keep us Mm -hmm. having our needs met and safe. And that's that's why, you know, the messages will always come back to a root probably of of safety, I I suppose, in every, every sense, because most of it, most of the mental jargon about, am I good enough and what do they think of me comes back to, well, are they going to accept me? Am I going to be mm. liked? Because if I'm not liked, I might get kicked out of the group, which in it to our primitive brain means I'm going to die because I'll be out in the jungle somewhere without any support, any other people around me to help me. So back in the day, that literally meant to not be liked, literally meant you could be kicked out of the tribe and die on your own. Mm. There's something in us that still believes that. So yeah. It does all come back to safety for sure. Yeah, because when I think about sexual anxieties, you know, and actually also watching Gabor Mate's documentary, what was that called now? The Wisdom of Trauma. Mm. And he said children have two inherent needs, the need for attachment and the need for authenticity. And I think that really applies to our sexuality too. We need to feel safe attachment whether that's a secure attachment with ourself and from that very secure place would be making wise choices about partners Mm -hmm. and hopefully also a secure or healthy attachment with our sexual partner and that authenticity is that like we're all of ourselves right now like we come forward with our light and our dark our good our bad you know warts and all excuse the pun the sexual (laughs) reference (laughs) but it's the truth If, if you know that you're sharing your sexuality with someone else who's very grounded in who they are and comfortable with who they are and brings all of themselves to the table, then it gives you more permission and more comfort and safety to do so yourself. But if you're trying to show up as the perfect girlfriend, you know, if you're trying to like win them over by being the perfect woman or being the really sexual one or like guys, their performance anxiety is so much greater now with a pornified culture, you know, these ideas that are impressed upon them of, what it means to be a sexual being, what it's meant to look like, how you're meant to perform, how you're meant to please a woman. Then women get these messages of like, that's what I'm meant to be like. You know, I'm just so grateful that I grew up on the cusp of the pornified generation and I still had some influence that was not pornified. But I know that younger generations than me didn't have that grace. They've only had that very strong pornified influence which just inherently leads to so much anxiety. Like my partner was 20 years older than me and like erectile dysfunction was not part of his sexual maturation ever. No one that he met, no, you know, it just wasn't a thing. And I can tell you so many men under 30, maybe under 35 that have erectile dysfunction. Like it's a generational thing and I'm sure it comes from the anxiety that they place upon themselves and the influence of porn and what that's done to their sexual development. It's well, so a very sad state of affairs. The sexual world is a very different one to, like, because I love that you brought this up because it's, it's very interesting. Even though when I said, like, there's all this information about boundaries and attachment theory available online, and there is more and more about sexual health and, and, mm. and I mean that on a, on a sort of... An education. Level. Yeah, yes. education, yes. understanding what's normal and what's not. But... In general, though, it's still not the wide conversation. We we still don't talk openly about sex and what's normal and what's not normal other than through porn. So porn is the, this is the the kind of like for a lot of people, that is your sex education. Yeah. Because a lot of us, it's we don't want to talk about sex. It's like shameful or whatever. Or or we might, depending on what culture stereotypes you come from. So that is a really, I feel like in a sense, Erin, it's a area where, expectations can definitely go way out of proportion oh my god yes because no one talks about it no one says hang on that's ridiculous like like sex life I was watching that the other day I can only get three Mm -hmm. episodes in I just thought it was so (laughs) terrible 
this comment. <laughs> Go to my Instagram, watch my hour-long Instagram TV with my review of Sex Life. Oh, <laughs> it's something. <laughs> it is something. That shower scene, right? Like I, yeah. um, my, you know, I, I talked about it as a joke with my brother and saw him watch. Like I got my um his fiance to film his reaction to that shower scene because I just thought it'd be funny. And you know, and 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 um people see that and guys see that and they're like they kind of that that insecurity is right there of like oh my god do I need to have this enormous penis to like satisfy a woman mm-hmm. is that mm-hmm. what we require and of course you know you and I both know that's not what women necessarily want we don't no. like it's all about what you do with it and yet there's a huge sense especially with porn that that's expected or you know yeah. and and the way that women's bodies look as well and it's just What's crazy to me is that what actually is so sexy and, you know, turns people on are the things that are flawed, are the ugly bits that, you know, we don't want to show people. That's kind of like part of the whole enjoyment of the experience is letting that be seen and and with the confidence and it's like, oh, cool, like this is Yes. Especially in BDSM where we're specifically looking for those shadow aspects that don't get seen elsewhere. But that reminds me when I was in Melbourne, I was like, I stocked up on so many sex toys because they're illegal to buy here in Indonesia. You can still get them, but they're hard to get. And like it was shipped to me in discreet packaging. (laughs) So that's good. But like when you take it out of the packaging, the plastic container that it came in, it was just, it it was just a cock. It had the veins on the plastic packaging and everything. Like you open it up and you take the dildo out, but like I still had to put that plastic in the recycling bin. (laughs) That wasn't discreet. Like they were shared recycling bins with everyone in that unit complex. (laughs) So I put that on my Instagram stories, like thanks for the discreet packaging or something. Ha ha ha. And someone, a guy who I know is not sexually confident, an old um, person that I used to work with, he wrote to me and said, are you sure that's big enough? And I was like, I didn't reply, but I was so annoyed by that. Cause I was like, what makes you think that I just want to go out and get big cocks? Like, you don't know a, what I'm going to do with this dildo. Like, you don't know what pleases me that that's all part of that toxic sexuality. Like, yeah. Women just, you should feel good about yourself that I'm buying a dildo this big rather than thinking that I need to have a bigger one or that like, something about me it's just all so misguided from what healthy and enjoyable sexuality is all about because anatomy is anatomy at the end of the day that's not where the magic and the power of great sexuality comes from we all have anatomy and everyone's anatomy is different and we can have amazing sex regardless like regardless of that person's anatomy regardless of our anatomy there's just so much more to the picture than that um, what was the other thing that I just wanted to share then? Um, oh, the thought might be gone. I can you were say saying you, Yeah, go for it. <laughs> take the microphone. Take your giant phallic microphone. Oh, my God. It, it is so funny. Um, <laughs> it, is a good, it is a good icebreaker, my microphone. But I was going to say this is part of what I love about your work, Erin, is, is how – the bedroom and sexuality and being naked in front of someone is such an incredible area to build one's sense of self-esteem, yes. to be fully accepted, you know, yes. with all the, you know, juices and whatever's going yes. on and smells and, you know, yes. skin bits and whatever. Everything. It's all on display and there's another person there also all on display mm-hmm. and the two of you get to create this environment ideally unfortunately we don't do this so often but of just total non-judgment and acceptance and that's yeah. where amazing sex happens from my from my perspective I know you're the expert exactly. on this but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah we need to bring that for ourselves we need to offer that for our partners and we hope that our partners are providing that to us too you know like we need to be at comfort with everything that our body does every sound it makes, every fluid it makes, every scent it makes, it's us. We're human, you know, and the deepest intimacy I've experienced is with a lover that taught me that every part of me was desirable, you know, that, excuse me, there's nothing that I could do that was going to cause him to be turned off me. Nothing natural that came from me 
was a turnoff, but that wasn't the early experiences that I had so many of my female friends and clients have had so much shame from male partners who don't like their scent, who tell them that they need to shower, who, you know, like just all these insidious little ways that we've been shamed about how we look, how our genitals look, how our genitals smell, the fluids that come out of us, everything. Like it's kind of crazy how many messages we've had about that, like we're the problem. Yeah. And in, in fact, that's not true, but that's also a projection of those partners' shame and discomfort around themselves and what they've been conditioned to believe that sexuality needs to look like. So it is a fucking revolutionary act to be in full ownership of yourself and to offer that to someone and also make that space where all of them is welcome. And of course, we don't have to be turned on by everything. We're entitled to have those kind of sexual boundaries where I'm really aroused by these things and these things don't really do it for me, but we do not need to have shame and judgment and projection involved in that. We can simply say that's not really my thing. Like I know some people love to be showered for sex and they love it to be clean and they love to have their teeth brushed before they kiss in the morning. Like if that's someone's personal preferences, that's so okay. We can't, you know, think that that's wrong. That's genuinely someone's preference. But I know that for me, I've found so much more comfort in just the acceptance of like, hey, if we're going to make out in the morning, we've got morning breath. Yeah. So what? So what? Like, no doubt it's like more pleasant if you did brush your teeth. Like that, Mm -hmm. like in, in some ways that might be a preference, but at the same time, I love that I can be accepted for morning breath kisses anyway. And I just want to have the choice and not to go, oh, is it a problem? I haven't brushed my teeth. It's like, yeah, I can go get up and brush my teeth if I want to. And that might be a more pleasant kiss, but at the end of the day, who cares? And they don't care. And that's so nice. It's that part. (laughs) My mind was like, oh, if you've got morning breath, just flip you around and fuck you from behind anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, it doesn't have to be a thing that breaks the moment. It's like, have you brushed your teeth yet? Have you flossed? Like, don't come to bed until you've done that. Like, I know some people are hypersensitive about smell and that's a, a thing that can turn them off sex and then it's something that can actually turn them towards sex. I do believe that our natural inherent body odor is meant to be desirable, but we've being conditioned to all these artificial fragrances and all of this shame that's been applied to natural body odor that where it's a mental conditioning. And if you actually get out of that and start to move away from synthetic fragrances and back towards nature, you'll find that natural body scent isn't offensive. Mm-hmm. Like, of course the body scent is also indicative of someone's health and it can be indicative of a incompatibility between you as well. So that's fine. But I'm talking about that strong sense of revolt or, you know, rejection of any kind of body scent. It's so unnatural. It's yeah. so unnatural. Also, you move away from fragrances, your hormones will thank you too because there's lots of xenoestrogens in there that interrupt your hormones, especially like wow. the main main brand ones. Yeah, there's so like wow. the word fragrance has like mm. – a hundred or more chemicals in it that we don't know what they are. And a lot of them literally act like estrogen in your body. So that's just a side note, but it can cause hormone imbalances too. Yeah. Cause I saw someone in um, a Facebook group for here in Changu saying, Hey girls, I really, really, really miss my high end fragrances. Does anyone know where I can purchase it? And I was like, Whoa, I didn't know there were people in Bali that were still doing that. You know, It's a much more coastal lifestyle here. People are in the ocean. We're sweaty all the time. Like, of course, people are going to want to smell nice, but it's such a city thing for me, like, to walk through the department store and just be, like, oh, bombarded by the smell and everyone wants to spread. Like, when I first moved to Kauai, I remember my roommates were like, oh, have you got fragrance on? And it was from Aesop. It was a natural fragrance. But they, too, were like, oh, it's so unusual. You know, I love essential oils now. I still love natural fragrance, like, you know, oils and yeah, and certain fragrances. But, yeah, those really, like, bath and body work. Like, when I used to be a flight attendant and everyone had these, like, highly fragranced hand sanitizing gels attached to their uniform, you know, like, super American. Something <laughs> I don't miss about traveling and going through airports is the, like, the duty-free section with all the perfumes yes. in there and the bright lights and it's just like, ah, this is not – not ideal. And you know, the other thing, Erin, is because obviously hygiene is important, but we're so over hygiene. Like, sorry, mm. what am I trying to say? O- over hygienated? Over hygienated. <laughs> we're too clean. And that actually damages. We've got this microbiome yes. that lives on our skin and yes. we damage it. Every time you wash your entire body, head to toe, soap it all up, 
you are killing off good bacteria on your skin. And then we wonder why we've got, you know, eczema, acne, skin rashes, things going on, imbalance, like itchy bits and things like that. It can come back to that imbalance of, of bacteria on your skin too. And, you know, the healthiest thing we can do is literally don't, don't use much soap, like just use the minimum um, that you need to just be clean. But I'm so happy to hear that because I don't yeah. use soap. Good. I haven't used soap in a long time, I, but my skin doesn't react to it well, but I certainly feel clean enough from a nice shower. On occasion, I'll use one single pump, but, like, yeah. that's rare. But, yeah. you know, when I teach about anal sex, it's the same. A lot of people have a real hygiene-oriented phobia around anal sex, especially if you're the receiving partner. That they're like, oh, I don't want to get messy. Like, what if that happens to them? And I always say, look, it's part and parcel of anal. Like, if someone wants to experience anal with you, they know that they're taking a risk that it might get a little bit messy. But yeah. if you've got really good gut health and you've got healthy stools, nine out of 10 times, it's clean. You don't need to do anything in preparation and it's clean. Yeah. But if you do need to douche, then there's this chance that we're risking damaging the biome, especially if you're over douching, using too, either doing it too frequently or doing it too much when you do it. And that can actually lead you at a high risk of STI transference through anal sex because it, the body's lost its strength and its resiliency. So I would rather have a slightly messy little anal experience if it's going to be slightly messy than potentially be damaging myself on a longer term scale or upsetting my gut health because I'm paranoid about mess. Like sex is messy. <laughs> sex I never- is messy. If it's not messy, we're probably not experiencing the fullness of it. Totally. I never thought I'd be like in the realm of giving gut health tips for great anal sex, but you know. <laughs> there you are. <laughs> Welcome to my world. Lots of fiber, <laughs> bone broth, probiotics, yes. fermented foods. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. Because healthy stools, you know, I say to people when I teach them about sexuality all the time, your diet, your sexual health also includes your dietary health. And like how much exercise are you getting? What are you eating? Like, we don't necessarily see the direct correlation to that with sex, but I tell you what, if you're gassy or you've got loose stools, you're not going to want anal. And in the heat of the moment, you might not want to be bent forward because your your belly's distended and painful, or you've been constipated because you haven't been drinking enough water or like the mobility of your joints to get into different sexual positions, your stamina and your endurance to enjoy a long window of sex when you haven't been exercising. Like it's actually directly related to our sexual satisfaction. People don't realize that. Next time you have your psyllium husk supplement, you'll be like, I am so prepared if I was to have random anal sex today. <laughs> sexy right now, this psyllium husk. <laughs> you know, my friend was taking nudes for her husband. She was in a long-term marriage. Taking nudes was not something that they'd done in ages. She becomes my friend. She starts taking nudes. I was like, yes, girl, I'll, I'll give you some training on how to feel really confident. I really love empowering people to do that as well. Like yep. how to do it healthily, again, yep. with great boundaries, choosing the right people to send it to, knowing the risks that are involved in doing it. But it can be a very, very empowering thing to see your body in ways that you haven't seen it before. One of the best things to do to boost sexual confidence and reduce anxiety, you know, is to actually see yourself in these sexual positions you're afraid of and go, fuck, I'm actually hot. Yeah, I've got some belly rolls or yeah, my cellulite's showing, but like a sexually empowered person doesn't get caught up in that, doesn't observe themselves in that way. They're just embodied. So I taught her how to do that and she sent me some photos like, how are these? Are they all right? And I was like, yeah, they're fine, but it's a good idea to clear what's off your bedside tables. Like think about the background, you know, and she had uh, Metamucil and her teeth guard to sleep. And she's like, yeah, real life is not very sexy, is it? (laughs) I was like, no, but that's why we have to put in the effort because you and your husband have been living this very normal, not sexy life. And we can do these little things to bring a bit more sexiness back into it. But yeah, create that like <laughs> fantasy mystery, like, yes. and, and when that's done in a deliberate way, in the sense of, you know, I'm choosing to, to create, you know, a, a beautiful environment around me in knowing that I would be fully accepted as I am doing whatever I want to do. That's a whole other level. It takes you to another level, but honestly, I just don't think there's any better place for really building your sense of self-acceptance than in conjunction with an intimate partner in the bedroom and just being like, 
do you accept me like this? Do you accept what a bit? What about when I lean forward? You got my tummy rolls away. Oh, you still, oh, he still likes me. Like that, it yes. just, it, it, in conjunction with your own self work of always Agreed. of like telling yourself how amazing you are. I don't think there's anything more healing for those insecurities. And you get to take that out into the world when you talk to other people and you just know that you are acceptable, lovable as you are. Exactly. And for um, women who feel more comfortable having sex under the sheets or only in the dark, like I understand how, like that's actually really quite common that people don't want to be fully witnessed, that it actually feels more vulnerable. Oh, the kitten's having a stretch. Are you going to go for the microphone? Did you hear that? Yeah, I heard that. <laughs> did, 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 is that going to come out on the recording? You're so cute. Um, you know, it is a very common thing to feel that being naked is more intimate than the act of sex itself. Like yeah. that shows us how far we've moved from our natural sexuality to feel that just being seen is the scary thing. That's where the anxiety comes. And so I really do encourage people to start just a talk to your partner about it, especially if it's a partner that you have regularly new partners is a whole different ball game. Dealing with anxiety with new partners is completely different, but yeah, in general, if we can start to move towards those areas where there's a little bit of anxiety and just take little baby steps, like I'd recommend leaving candles on in the room and having some soft lighting, you know, showering together with a candle in the room, whatever it might be to just start taking steps in that direction of that freedom and you'll find like you can't I shouldn't say you can't it's unlikely to go from zero to 100 to go from feeling unconfident or anxious to being an absolute bombshell in the bedroom when you're afraid of nothing like that's a journey that we're all on and every time we move into some new experience we've got a new potential that's available to us, but these little tiny baby steps of moving closer and closer to just being free in our sexuality, being free in our body, loving our body. You know, if I, I go to the gym three times, I do personal training three times a week. I eat really well in line with that. When I do those things, it really doesn't matter what my body looks like. As soon as I stop doing those things, I'm judging myself. My body might look exactly the same, but all of a sudden the judgments come up and the insecurities are there. So if I know that I'm just making the good choices and I'm loving myself in those ways and investing in myself in those ways, because it's good for my mental health, my emotional health, my physical health, then my confidence gets to kind of ride along those good choices. Yeah. And if I start making poorer choices, then I start to lose my confidence and all of a sudden I'm judging myself and I'm hypercritical and analytical of what I look like. And yeah. It's an exhausting place to be. I couldn't agree more. And then there's another element I want to touch on too because this is huge with anxiety is that when we're anxious all the time, we are high strung and there's lots of stress and there's looking after everyone, there's no room in there for libido. That is a Mm -hmm. libido killer. We're not interested in sex. And so when sex dies off, um, often there's an element there of just not really managing that anxiety in, in, a, in a good state it's one of those warning signs in a sense that the anxiety is sort of getting a little more out of hand and something that you might want to work more deeply on because it has such a direct correlation we literally when we're in fight or flight mode our blood is in our limbs predominantly it's in our arms and our legs so we can run away or fight something it's not around your genitals and so <laughs> yeah. we're not getting nice and engorged no we're running from the fucking imaginary saber-toothed tiger <laughs> So you literally have to flip your nervous system into that rest and digest mode. So when you're salivating, when you're digesting food, you are in that rest and digest mode. And when you're turned on, you're in that relaxed state too. So these are some things that kind of tell you you're there. But to get there, um, sometimes we sort of need to, there's this, there's a, a, the vagus nerve is our sort of switch we can flick to turn ourselves from that rest and that uh, fight or flight mode into rest and digest mode. And some really Mm -hmm. easy ones, Erin, are things like just eating more bitter foods. Lemon Mm -hmm. juice calms you down. If you you even visualize right now, if you close your eyes and you visualize biting into a juicy, citrusy lemon, just smell the citrus scents in the air, um, bite into that juicy flesh, feel the the juices bursting. You do start to pucker up. Yeah, the acids, t- like tingling mm-hmm. your tongue, you start to salivate. And just that, so you don't even have to have a lemon, you can just visualize a lemon. 
brings you into that more rest and digest state so that so that you're then in a state where you can even contemplate sex even contemplate um Mm. having that those intimate moments another one is uh cold showers which I love talking about yes Uh, I do I'm I'm too much of a creature of comfort and pleasure to be a cold shower person (laughs) or a cold bath or an ice bath person or like you swimming in the ocean in the Melbourne winter I know I know it blows your mind but (laughs) there is nothing that will break you out of that like looping mind like on the same track of thoughts worrying 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 about this than immersing yourself in cold because it shocks your system so much. You cannot keep thinking about that thing you're worrying about. You have to be in your body. It flicks. Or you're going to die. It's yeah. just another fight or flight thing, Georgie. <laughs> it's another saber-toothed tiger of its own form. <laughs> My body's like, I must be dying if I'm willingly putting myself in ice. <laughs> this must be dire. <laughs> I, it's our association too. Like I associate the idea of that sting of the cold with almost like a reset. It's a freshness and I'm just like invigorated by it. And it, and it feels really calm. So Mm -hmm. at the end of like a busy workday on a Friday evening kind of thing, you might want to jump in the shower and finish with 30 seconds of cold. And you Mm -hmm. will be so chill after that and actually ready to go and have some intimate time with your partner. If that's what you choose to do. It's just a nice, like, tool to be aware of yes and I love rituals to mark that transition between different phases as well especially for mums you know like mum time is over now and sometimes that can be signaled by you know putting on sexy lingerie or a kimono or like whatever it might be but cold showers might also be a really nice way to mark the ending of the day that's been or the stress you've been carrying a you're going to be clean don't use the soap keep your body like as natural as possible so you can bring those beautiful body scents into the bedroom but yeah that might be a great marker for people and a reset of their nervous system because our nervous system needs to be in that regulated state for us to have really expansive sexual experiences like we can have orgasm when we're in that hyper anxious state and sometimes people it'll bring relief sometimes even you know like if they're really worked up but those kind of orgasms are very short and shallow and and short-lived and then the other end of the nervous system scale of the being numb and not feeling anything at all like yeah you could hijack the body by using toys or extreme stimulation to get yourself there but again they're not going to be those kind of orgasms that are deeply healing and nourishing and releasing that in and of themselves are so good for the nervous system like when you have one of those really deep really emotional orgasms and like anal orgasms for me like that they're so deep and emotional and you're just in some different state of being it resets you on every level often you need a really deep sleep afterwards like you just get fucked so well you're just like (laughs) and you wake up and it's like a whole new world you know like the colors are brighter and everything's easier like the physiological effects that good sex has on us are so so powerful yeah so yeah because of eat your fiber (laughs) take a cold shower don't you so try anal (laughs) how crazy because of all the shame associated with sex and the way that we it's taboo we can't talk about it um when potentially missing out on this you know medicine toolkit healing of healing yeah exactly right so that you know the way that those as you mentioned those orgasms can just reset your whole system so nourishing and hey it's free like you don't yeah. <laughs> and if you use your hands you don't need anything else like you can make great love to yourself without any need for anything other than you yeah but there's also that and, and I'm so glad you touched on that too because there can be that sense of almost using sex as like a distraction a quick escape mm-hmm. from the anxiety mm-hmm. and hey that's there too but then again just like you said it's not going to be as nourishing for your system it's not quite the same it's almost like eating a bunch of junk food and yes. binging on it and kind of feeling a bit meh afterwards rather than you know really nourishing yourself and so um that's another key kind of element to consider too about if we actually take the time to get ourselves into a grounded enough state that we can feel properly that we can mm. actually slow down um, the experience can be, you know, much more, I suppose, beneficial for you. Yeah. 
Amazing. Well, Georgie, this has been fabulous to talk to you about all things anxiety and femininity and sexuality. Oh, it's been so fun to talk about sex. Like I can't (laughs) talk this much about sex on my podcast. I mean, I can, I should. It's just... I don't want to scare people. <laughs> Send them to my podcast. They'll get scared. Not yeah. that this is scary. This Even my podcast is quite tame compared to the things that I do with my clients and in my worship course. Like there is no holding back in that. We we really deeply explore all, all aspects of sexuality. But, yeah, we do make this as palatable as we can for people to not scare them off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. To keep you guys coming back listening for more. <laughs> So if people want to find out more about you or want some support around anxiety, how can they find you? What do you offer? I have my 12-week program. It's called Anxiety Reset. You can learn all about that through um, my Instagram. I've got at Georgie the Naturopath. I'm on Instagram there. That's probably where I hang out the most if you want to keep in touch, hear my stuff. Or I've also got my own podcast, the Anxiety Reset Podcast. And Yay. you can check out Erin's Aaron's episodes there. Um, just search for them or um yeah I'd love to have anyone come over and check out some more anxiety stuff amazing so we will put all of those links in the show notes for you so you can find Georgie nice and easily so thank you so much Georgie it's been amazing to have you here thanks Erin Well, I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Sex and Healing. And as always, I'd love to hear from you. Come and find me on Instagram, share the love. Let me know your takeaways, what you loved, what triggered you, what questions you have. I want to know it all. Make sure you subscribe and share this episode. And until next time, laugh loud, fuck louder.